I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger, coming to you on Monday, the 23rd of April, a snowy Monday nonetheless over here, as well as for Joe, which is why he's going to be a little late to the show, if he makes it at all. You, however, haven't seen snow since when? Um, I think I saw it once when I took a trip up to Philadelphia. Man, you were a lucky <laughs> Listen, bastard. Listen, it, it was a balmy 66 when I left the house this morning. Yeah, well, we woke up with quite a bit of snow and then it kept snowing during the day and then we had slush and then some freezing rain and Joe was messaging me partway through the day saying that it was terrible there too. The schools and colleges were all closed, everything. It doesn't take much. So anyways, we are going to soldier on without him though. Um, did you get to play any of the uh, Diablo 3 beta this weekend? I've seen enough videos of the first four hours of the game over the last several months. I didn't need to play them for myself just yet. Oh, dude, you should have played it anyways. I actually did play it. I uh, I installed it. Granted, they were having a bitch of a time on Saturday, and mm-hmm. they, they it was nearly impossible to get in. The servers were up and down. They were saying, you're going to get errors, but keep trying to get in. <laughs> Eventually you get in. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, Blizzard, it's not like you don't know how to do freaking yeah. online games. What the crap is going on here? And I was finally able to get in on Saturday, but it was quite late in the evening. I got to play for about 45 minutes, and then their servers went down. So it was like, you so then on Sunday, though, I got to play for quite a while, and my son got to play for quite a while as well. So we clocked quite a bit between the two of us there. I played the uh, the Barbarian, the Demon Hunter, and I played the Monk, although just for a little bit. And then my son played the uh, the Monk and the Witch Doctor, which surprisingly he really didn't care for. The, um, the Barbarian was, I mean, it was Barbarian. It felt literally... Like D2. There was nothing new in terms of mechanics. I'm sure that comes down the line and things like that. But it just, it had that very same feel. The Demon Hunter was freaking awesome. The Demon Hunter was a blast to play. And that's the one that I finished the beta on. And uh, and I kept playing her and having fun. So I really, really was digging that. And then the Monk, the early, early levels, I, I wasn't digging it. But then once I got the hang of it, and then once some new abilities opened up, then it was actually quite fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the one that my son played through and he just adored. So it, it was funny because I was playing it. And again, it's one of those iconic IPs for, for a lot of us that like how, how many hundreds of freaking hours did we waste into D2. It's, it's, that's just the way it is. So when you're playing it and you get that music and you hear freaking Deckard Kane again, um, I, I really, really felt myself getting sucked in. And I know that there's a lot of things about it that once I'm playing it, I know they're going to drive me nuts and I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm fully expecting that. But I figured, okay, you know what? I'm going to be far less critical and just go in and have fun. And I did. I actually had a lot of fun. I bounced around. It was very much D2 in, in that same kind of mentality. Just go and kill shit. Um, I liked the story. I liked where the... Uh, I like how they, they did the questing now. I like that you can, you know, just start the quest and take off and they're still talking kind of thing. I like the the lore setup that they got going on so that while you're gaming a little button will come up saying you know, new lore or whatever it was. I think it was new lore. And then you can click that and get this audio feed of something lore related while you're still questing. So it adds a layer of depth to your gaming experience. You're not just hacking and slashing. You're getting a cool story read to you at the same time. Um, so so that, cool. Yeah, it was. I, I did 
quite a bit surprisingly i mean relatively speaking of course for what we were allowed to do and the short time the the crafting stuff and i mean it's it's really not very complicated it's not a big freaking deal but it's straightforward it's easy to wrap your head around the gear that i was crafting wasn't as good as what i was finding even though I put quite a bit of freaking money in. Like I, I knew that the money didn't matter at that point. So whatever money I was raising, I was feeding into there. And so like I level, level them up, level them up, level them up. And it's like the gear that I'm getting, I, I was using better than I'd found. So that may prove to be a problem. At higher levels, I sure shit hope not if you're putting that much money into it. But I mean, it, it was still, it's a cool little mechanic. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to pan out. And then what else? That's about it. I mean, it, again, it was fun. It was, it, it's, it's a game that I think if you had not played through Guild War, or sorry, Guild Wars, <laughs> full power there, it. yeah. Um, if you hadn't played through D2, I don't think that you would necessarily feel as strongly about it because it, it, when you're actually playing it and you're looking, A, it doesn't look that great. I, let's be honest. Oh, my God. I was surprised. Like, it, I had it max settings, and it just doesn't look that awesome. And so that was one of those, hmm, okay. It sounds amazing. The voice acting was great from what I, I got to hear. I like some of the little town banter, although there could be a lot more, in my opinion. Um, so on fire. Yeah. <laughs> And if you're wondering what that means, listen to Comic Book Informer last week's episode. <laughs> um, but it's uh, again, if 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 you hadn't played D two, I think that you really would, you might very well be quite disappointed in it. Hmm. So, but you haven't played it, so there you go. You did find these dev diaries, though. Yeah, these were really interesting. Uh, they sat down with three of the main developers for the game a full year ago. And it's interesting to see how excited they were about the game's progress a full year ago. <laughs> Talk about how they're excited. They have they have all the content pretty much done. Now, of course, content is only a fraction of the total game. There's still all the, the mechanics and the skills and all that. That's, that's still to be considered. They're ready to put it into the internal Blizzard testing and open beta and have the game out by the end of 2011. Yeah, right. Why did these videos just came out last week? Why did Blizzard release these videos? <laughs> like, especially they don't the part care. where they're asked, especially the part where they're asking the guy about the beard. He's like, "Oh yeah, we all started growing beards in preparation for the game launch." I want to see a video <laughs> now with these same three guys, scraggly beards, halfway down their stomachs, bags, you know, under their eyes because they haven't slept in six months. <laughs> It's cool to see, you know, how passionate they are talking about the game. They were really excited for other people to get to experience it. And something happened in the interim that, you know, kind of sent things awry. It's it's an interesting look. Well, the thing, too, is that, I mean, we're looking at, again, a year since then. A year since then, the skill system got dumbed down to the point of being Joe. The um, the auction house was introduced. The runes got changed also and dumbed down. We got a, so many things, again, got dumbed down since then. Um, so it's it's... It'd be interesting to hear, like, I know that they have to tote the company line and say that, oh, it's great and we can't wait and all that. But it, it really would be interesting to get an honest opinion of what they think about all of the changes since then. Because I think that the game then would have been a lot more interesting and fun to play than what we are getting now. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I noticed with the skills as well as I was leveling up. You really don't have a lot of choices. Now, granted, yes, that's going to open up as you are leveling higher. But even then, we already know a lot of the choices are being taken away from you. So you're. it's not like we're going to be able to have as many builds as we thought initially we would in the game or that we had like in d2 kind of thing and so it's again and, and in with the we talked about it before too with the armor and whatnot and then the stats only matter for your class kind of thing well you really notice that when you're 
playing, really. So it's not like you can build your class and try something way different, like a Javazon or something like that. That's just not going to be happening. And it is something that I was thinking about a lot as I was playing, because again, you, you do feel it. It's your spec is much more guided in terms of what it is you're going to be allowed to do. It's it's disappointing, but I'm kind of reserving judgment until I get some higher level characters to see just how well it plays. Yeah, like I've heard people talk about how you know their goal is that you know, every time you gain a level, you get something new, either a new skill or a slot opening up or a rune or something. But I'm not seeing that much there. Like there's a I mean, total like seven skill slots, I think. There's your one to four, one to five, one to four, I believe. I can't remember. And then your right and left buttons. So, I mean, very much. So let's, let's say six so, then. Yeah, six or seven. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there's what, 15 maybe total for each class to choose from in those seven. So, yeah, there's the runes associated with them. But, you know, gaining a rune for a spell you don't use doesn't help you at all. So, yeah, there, there is an interesting customization to the game, but yet there's not oh, that feeling of choice with, no, you know, no. the talent trees and like you're saying, the stat points. And yes, at a point it becomes, I don't want to say intimidating, but it's a lot to take in, especially as a newer player with you have all this stuff going on, but it it's definitely gone too far in the simplification. Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, when you're playing it and you're specking it and saying, Oh, you got a new kill. And then you look and it's like, really, you got a choice of this or this. And then you can see down the line, you got a few more choices, but that's it. And then you got your, your very short list of what runes you can apply. And it's like, that's it. That's, those are going to be the choices for, you know, one one to four yeah. those that's it this is all you're going to be able to play with and it's like oh crap that's and, and you just know unlike diablo 2 there's going to be undoubtedly a best build for each class oh for sure for sure the, i mean the, that said because there's, there's just no, not that many permutations there's no pvp anyways so it's all going to be pve kind of stuff so it doesn't really matter i who, who has the best aoe farming capability? yeah really i mean so the uh there were the 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 magic stats on on items too so you can have your magic fine character and then your regular characters and things like that again depending on just how much gear is going to be out there that'll determine just how unique a little flower you can be with your your builds i honestly don't think it's going to be that unique but what i'm banking on is that whatever they put in will be good enough to hold my interest for a while and that the game itself will be and then we'll go from there it's uh Again, I, I, I went in with really low expectations. <laughs> Even though I pre-ordered it, I went in with really low expectations because so many of what was going on was kind of, I don't want to say ticking me off. Well, yeah, ticking me off. And so I, I just wanted to go in and let's just see if I can have fun. And I was. I actually was. I was in there. I was having fun. It brought back those old feelings. So in that regard, you know, all was good. Now, how long is that going to last when we're talking about, you know, you're paying 60 bucks for a game or a little bit more if you bought the collectors, <laughs> which I may have. Um, so hopefully it, it pans out. So what was funny though, is that, uh, my son was ready to pre-order. That was it. He played, he loved it. He was ready to pre-order. <laughs> and I said, well, now hold on a second now. Because <laughs> <laughs> look at what else is going to be coming up. Yeah, it it's not a good month. <laughs> well, not just that. I was showing him Guild Wars 2. And so I said, like, look at this is going to be coming out in a little while. We're going to be in the beta next weekend because that was announced. So we're beta weekend is coming up next weekend. And, of course, the easiest way to get in is if you pre-ordered it, which course i pre-ordered that um and so i showed him some stuff i showed him a whole bunch of videos and, and now he's like hmm where am i gonna put my money and he's leaning towards of course guild wars 2 he's just gonna hold off until he tries the beta but i mean the stuff that we've been seeing with guild wars 2 is freaking mind-blowing yeah exactly so and uh so so someone is talking about terra in the audience oh look it's a mirror <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Tara's coming out shortly as well. Um, we were actually, see, it's in the freaking show notes. You could have waited, Amir. Look, yeah, look at your screen. Why didn't you read the show notes? It's right there on the screen. Uh, it, it, this was an interesting week for Tara as well, just because we, we, we got some reports saying Blue Hole is still found guilty through the appeal and that there's going to be some actual potential jail time for these guys, the original. And then we got Amas, who is publishing on their site saying they've, they're not found guilty. And then you got a whole bunch of other people saying that, yeah, they were still found guilty. So it's like, um, we're guys <laughs> really Amas. So, but again, they're trying to put out the fires here because they want a smooth launch, North American launch. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, 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 I don't even want to get into it honestly we we've been through this it's it's nothing new just you know upholding of rulings and this and that well that is big though again that means yes, they yes. went through the no, appeal it, and it they, is an they lost step in the legal yeah. process but so, it's not really a new development that's going to change anything no yet. well yes and no. we'll see we'll see it's 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 certainly not helping put it that way yeah um in terms of game-wise, they did say that they are ramping up the challenge in those starter levels. Thank so God. So that when people bounce in, at least it is going to be, you know, not just a couple of hits with your little hammer and everything dies around you. So, yeah. Um, you buying day one? Yeah. I, I have it pre-ordered, so. Now, it's interesting because the uh, early access actually starts in the middle of the Guild Wars beta. So, sorry, Tara. You're yeah, still really. going to be there on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not buying day one. I'll, I'll see, like I said, and maybe pick it up later, but there's just so much else right now. Yeah, like I said, it, it's going to be a shared account between me and yeah. my girlfriend, so it's not worth two separate accounts. But for, for that purpose, I don't mind doing the, the pre-order deal. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little Plus bit get about the cool tiger. What's I'm that? A, I'm a sucker. You, oh, I get you, the cool tiger. I, pff, I care less about a freaking tiger. <laughs> let's really? Talk, really? And, I'm and, serious. And yet, how, how many hours have you spent trying to get character skins for your Star Wars? Dude. Oh, yeah. But you know what that is? See, that's different because that appeals to <laughs> that's the... a different cosmetic. Option. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's a different <laughs> neurosis. That's, that's a, that appeals to the, the, the psychotic person in you. That's a collector that buys booster pack after booster pack, hoping for the one card that they want kind of thing. So that's, that's what that is. And, and screw you, BioWare. Okay. <laughs> I am saying it right here. Screw you guys. Random means random. Random doesn't mean three freaking Kyra skins and two Lara Dorn skins when I'm not playing a Jedi Knight or Trooper on that server. God. I actually, I made a Jedi Knight. How sad is that? Making a freaking, you're choosing your class you're going to play based on the freaking Rack Ghoul customization skin for your companion. I, oh, I was so mad. But the event is actually wrapping up today. And uh, if, you, if you're just tuning in for Star Wars Eel Republic for the, the Rack Ghoul event that they had, we talked about it last week. And it was it was interesting because initially we didn't know how many quests they would be adding to it and and things like that. And then it was kind of interesting how they continue to add a daily every day for quite a few days until it wound up that you for each of the dailies, you got essentially a full outfit, full social outfit for a containment officer outfit with the exception of the bracers, which that was that pissed me off. That would have knocked down the price a little, at least for a while on the auction house. People who are stupid and put them up for like 300,000 for freaking bracers, orange bracers. But, um, but anyways, the, what wound up happening is that you, again, I like how they did it to a certain degree. I like how it was done. We're in, when you go into the zone, the quests automatically come to you for what you need to mm -hmm. do by the crash site. And then from there you needed to go and turn in the blood samples. So basically either port or fly kind of thing. Um, I don't like the location because it was way too far out and you spent way too much time on your speeder. I hated that. And that goes for the event as a whole. The, there was, I mean, once you got to the end and you were doing every one of the dailies, 
you're doing dailies for a bloody long time. And that's on one character. I was actually doing them on three just so that I could get the full outfits. Um, and it was actually taking too much time and far too much time was taken up on your freaking speeder all over the place. And that's not even talking about the Rack Ghoul mini pet where you have to scan debris from all over Tatooine. That was uh, that was ridiculous. Took way too long. Granted, that I can deal with a little bit more because you get a pet from. It's a delayed Easter event. <laughs> yeah, really. But Some of those were brutal, even with the guide. I'm like, where is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you needed the guide and the pictures so that you could see where you needed to go. The um, But the dailies themselves, they they opened up were in the... Um, you got to go scan some some more debris. You scan. <laughs> this is where someone at Bioware has a sick sense of humor because what are you scanning? You're scanning a Jawa's junk to see if it's infected. Okay, really, Bioware? <laughs> what are you doing? Scanning Java junk to see if it's infected. I would have laughed if you would have gotten some kind of topical cream that you had to apply. Oh my <laughs> but yeah, so you scan these debris, and then Jawas jump out of it, and they're infected, and then you got to fight them. And then you had to get to the escape pods as well, because remember, it was a crash that came down. So then you are going to the escape pods, and then guys are jumping out. They're infected. You're fighting them. And then there were some infected, um, what are they, dewbacks, the big, big creatures. And when you inspect those suckers, they freaking explode and <laughs> rat ghouls jump out of <laughs> And all that's left of is a carcass on the ground. So it built up nicely. The lore, if you took the chance to actually read about it, was mm-hmm. fairly interesting, especially when you see who started this. That was actually kind of cool as well. I liked how it played out uh, actually in Mos Ela with, you know, they start off with the news broadcast, which hilarious <laughs> with the guy in the background getting infected. And I, I wish there'd been a little bit more of that breadcrumb of, you know, seeing things are a bit of miss before you head off into the wilds. But I, I liked the way they, they handled that, that uh, little introductory bit. I think that as a first event, okay, it was good, but I'm really hoping that Bioware learned something from this as well. I'm hoping that enough people were saying, okay, it was good, but first, but don't, I mean, if you're giving your audience something to do, so that means you need to, you know, we need them in the game for an hour. Don't skimp out on story and on questing and just shove in travel. Cause that blows. That is terrible. And mm-hmm. that's what way too much of this was was traveling and it sucked they had the opportunity to do so much more because of the 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 epidemic and what this represents and and go back into more of the lore don't just put it in the codec show it to us let us be involved in it that would have been awesome that wasn't in there so i think that as a first event okay it was cool it was good it was well done but it was certainly not a 10 out of 10 not even close like there's a lot that they could have done better and and an event in a game where you are promoting altaism altaholicalism whatever you want to call it (laughs) however you can pronounce it when you're not medicated um you know that people are going to want to do this on all of their alts, and yet you're making it due to, again, mainly the travel, that it's going to take forever, way too many hours to do that. So you're punishing people who are playing the game the way that you would like them to play it. Uh, you can't do that, Bioware. So that's my main criticism, and I really hope that they fix that in the, in the next ones. Mm-hmm. So overall, what did you think of it? It, it was it was cool, you know, especially since it was completely unexpected. Just the way it sort of popped yeah. up and happened, that was just cool. What I liked as well was that, and part of that is because we're on an RP server. Granted, if you're on a friendly server overall, you'll be, you'll have been fine, uh, with a few minor exceptions. Where because there's ass hats everywhere. Let's be honest. I loved how it brought the community together on your server. So you got to recognize character names in Tatooine chat. So you recognize those people. And so you chat and every day was, where's the next one? 
Where, where do we have to go from here? And people getting together to do the three world bosses as well who were infected, which was awesome. And so it was a lot of fun talking to those people. I mean, there were, again, a few, there was... Actually, it was only one time where I asked, okay, well, what's today's daily? And somebody wigged out in chat. And I was saying, you know what? The, the whole point of this is to draw the community together so that you're talking and not just going out of the game to look on a website to see what it is and then going back in and doing it. No, get involved. And for the most part, that's what was happening. And I love that. I really did. It was, it was nice. And now I know a few names that, okay, I know... This is a ass hat or no, these people are nice. So it was cool. And I did like too what was happening between um, the two factions. It wasn't about fighting for mobs because there were so many of them. I only got ganked once. I only got ganked once on all my characters. And it was fun too because what was happening is that in order to get DNA samples too, if you let yourself get infected and you went through all the stages, once you got to the stage where your eyes glowed, you could either wait it out until you explode and then you get your five DNA samples or you could get popped, they were saying. And basically that's just you stand by the, the Jawa vendor where the crash is and you see a whole bunch of impairments and a whole bunch of republics and as soon as somebody's eyes started to glow they'd go in the middle get popped by the opposing faction explode and then you're saving 10 minutes so you don't have to wait until you actually explode which is a 10 minute process get your things get infected and then wait rinse repeat so it was it was funny because you go up on this ridge and you see a crap load of each faction <laughs> nobody's fighting they might do some duels with their companions for fun but everybody was dancing having fun they're all talking in the say channel and uh, and it was nice i really really enjoyed it stinking republics you know what? There were a few people that were a little too ooh, like that too. And it's like, oh yeah, it's a, I'm a terrible Imperial because I'm, you know, helping these pixels on my screen. And what was cool too, is that there were a couple of bosses uh, that you had to fight. One of them being the captain of the down vessel, Magnus, and he's a friggin' Oh, brick shit house to kill. He was freaking hard, man. It was <laughs> I could not always kill him on my characters. And because he ramps up with your character level, wow. And then the other one's a shaman. He wasn't as bad. And those are the yeah, two main ones. Even on my character, you know, a tanking character with Talos out. Some of them got a little close. Oh yeah. But what I liked is that there tended to always be other people there. And so mm -hmm. Where if I got there and somebody else is fighting, I would help them down it. I don't care what they are. And then you get to know if they're waiting. Yeah. And then as soon as I do mine, more often than not, they would help the kill mine as well. And I that think I had a single case of somebody not sticking around. For you mine. know what? That was my new definition of of asshole <laughs> was someone <laughs> that you helped them kill. And then once it's your turn, they take off. That was my new definition of asshole. It only happened a few times. But, and it's like, you can't say, oh, I didn't know. No, no. My freaking Zalek took aggro off of you. <laughs> You're sorry, assassin ass. Okay. You know I helped you. <laughs> Especially when they were like nearly dead. And it's like, oh, you jackasses. But anyways, so it, it was a good event. It, I'm, I'm really hoping that they learned a lot from it and that the next ones will be heavier lore and story and, you know, action and a lot less travel but other than that really kind of digging it it was it was fun uh moving on from there we actually got a video for the new star trek game that's going to be coming out and basically <laughs> basically it's mass effect but star wars style is what it, it kind of really looked like and i gotta tell you i'm kind of okay with that is is this the one that's coming to the move uh, that I don't know. I see for. I, I remember we talked about it last year, and I I I, I seem to remember it coming out for a control scheme. I didn't want to play it on. Well, yeah, it's coming out. It was announced at uh, it was shown at E three in two thousand eleven. So, mm -hmm. but I don't know about whether or not it's move or not. I mean, I'm sure it'll be without move as well. It can't be move exclusive. I don't know. I, I I I'm seeming to remember it was something along those lines, like move or connect exclusive or something like that. Well, it well, it's on both. It's PS3 and 360. So, but right. again, it's so. it looks freaking awesome. You can really, really see the Mass Effect influence on it. But again, I'm thinking 
I I'm kind of alright with that. I, I like that gameplay a lot. And if they can make it something that's exciting, not just Star Trek where they're talking a lot kind of thing, like we saw in freaking the old uh, Star Trek uh the the online, um this looked like it could be a lot of fun. See, here's kind of my problem personally. It's definitely in line with the newer movies with the action and all that. But personally, I don't like all that much action in my Star Trek. You know, I'm I'm old school. I played a lot of great Star Trek games back in the day that were more about exploration and, and stuff like that. The, the actual dis- diplomacy and that side of the Star Trek universe. So I personally, this really doesn't do much for me. Really? OK. Yeah. Well, I maybe it's because, again, I, I thought that there was a lot of that in... Star Trek Online, and where you're talking to this person and talking mm-hmm. to this and all that, and it was like, mm, I'd be oh. good with a good freaking adventure, action adventure in the mm-hmm. Star Trek universe and, and, and Mass Effect style. Because, I mean, again, think of how much story we got in Mass Effect. Oh, yeah, Mass Effect I'm, not, I'm not arguing that. So, I'm just uh, saying, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that put, like, hundreds of hours into Starfleet Academy on the Genesis, okay? <laughs> There wasn't much action involved there. Well, I I'm looking forward to seeing more about this though, and uh, and either way, I, if it's well done, I'm I'm ready yeah. for a good Star Trek game now. <laughs> so that would even be fun. if I don't like it, it's kind of hard to complain about a good game. Yeah. Um, also, there was a patch that was just applied to uh, DC Universe Online. I'm not going to talk about it long, but it's just funny because I, essentially I put it in the show notes because we we're going to talk about the Star Trek game, and I knew. It, Inevitably, I'd bring up Star Trek Online and the lack of content that's been done in there. Uh, So I like that DC Universe Online is still chugging away and is still putting stuff in. Now, Granted, this patch is mainly um, behind the scenes stuff and working on, um, what is it, guild banks and stuff like that. But I like that they're continuing to tweak it to try to get more people into the game. Again, I still, if I had more time, I would still be playing this game more based on the recent upgrades that they've done in the because they have put more content in so i think it's awesome yeah like, like we were talking about the the failed mmo releases content was always the number one reason for a failed mmo yeah and it, at at the very least dc universe isn't failing on that front yeah i mean it, they did for well, i shouldn't say they did i mean there there did come a point where if you reach max level and then that was pretty yeah. much it kind of thing but to their credit they have been putting in the the updates that have been putting in more stuff and so again i mean they're not putting as much maybe as other games but they're still putting in enough that you're you're able to continue in the game, and especially if you are a raider or, you know, you like doing the duos and stuff. And I got to be honest with you, I was, if, if I knew a couple of guys who were playing, I probably would play it more often because I really enjoyed the duo mechanic. And it was, even if you bounced in with someone you didn't know, it was fun. I really liked that. Again, just you and somebody else mechanic going in. And so I didn't mind repeating a lot of the same instances and stuff like that because, I don't know, that duel was, it was just fun to do. So again, if it wasn't for the fact that there's so many freaking games right now that are awesome, I would still be in there, especially considering the new stuff that they put in. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's it's that classic superhero formula. Yes, exactly. Which, I mean, works for us. We're freaking we love comic books. We love those stories. So I, I dig it. I like it. Uh, let's move on to this Dishonored. Now, this is something that we'd heard about at, that was E3 last year, was it not? Or was it the year before? I don't remember. I know that it was a while back. I, it's one of those games that people have kind of been talking about for a while, but never really had anything. <laughs> yeah. So, but they, they put out this video which is freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, tr- the, the trailer was sick. <laughs> Actually, I'll play that. I'll let you talk about it while I do this. Well, it's the new game coming up from Bethesda, and it's almost as if they sat back and went, what are the most awesome things in gaming right now? And they came up with Bioshock and Assassin's Creed, and I don't think they're that far off. No, from the really. And that's not saying this is derivative, because they're doing different things with the formula. But... That's basically what you're getting here. Uh, you 
you're you're basically an assassin. You're hunting down, you know, high profile targets in society, but you're doing it through this first person's perspective. You have this mixture of traditional weaponry with magic powers, and just for the hell of it, let's throw a steampunk setting on top of it. Because you can never go wrong by doing that. But I mean, outside of say Bioshock and even Bioshock Infinite, really, how much have we seen of a proper, you know, big game doing that steampunk setting? I mean, we, talk, we were talking about Gotham by Gaslight would have worked in that setting. Oh, dude, yes. Oh, I, you know what? I, oh, it makes me sad whenever I think that we're never going to see that game. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, not just a little sad. Like, really? Oh, man. Because that would have been awesome. And you're right. It's, it's, it's that we haven't seen enough games doing it right. There, there's been a few that do it and it's rinky dink and it's not a big deal but we need to see more people doing it right because it's such a huge freaking community of people that are so into that into steampunk so everything that i've seen about this like that's not the reason to play this but they're doing it right it looks so freaking awesome on one hand i'm happy that we aren't seeing too much of it but we should see more like i don't want it to become like you know like the cyberpunk was after the matrix came out or you know the world war ii settings after you know the medal of honor game started becoming popular but sparingly and done well i would be all for i disagree i disagree it's it's just another it's that's like saying you know you can do a sci-fi just don't overdo it kind of thing not too many floating things and you know spaceships i i think that as as long as it's done well like dude look at this freaking (laughs) Yeah, but, but but what I'm saying is gaming is so much of a Me Too persona from a development and publishment standpoint. Whenever something catches on, you just see wave after wave and completely kills anything that genre had going for it. Even a good game in, a, in you know a, a World War II style genre, I still kind of sneer at because so many games came out in such a short period of time, I grew tired of that setting. Okay, that I'll agree with you, yeah. So going back to this trailer that I'm playing, which if you guys aren't uh, in a live audience, just check the show notes and it's there. Um, Oh, good Lord. I mean, (laughs) seriously, look at this thing. Oh my God. And I like how they were talking about the, um, your abilities that you're going to have and all that and how you can chain abilities together as well as to do different things. I, I, I really loved hearing the devs talking about people finding ways to do things in the game that they hadn't thought, which is, I mean, that's always the way kind of thing. But I mean, it really does. They, they, they are telling us how there is still a big sandbox feel to this, where you get to decide how you want to complete your quest. You want to go stealth mode the whole way, then go stealth mode the whole way. You, you know, you want to do things a certain way, then, then knock yourself out and again people are finding ways of doing it that they hadn't even thought about so i i mean i love that this bullet time thing where you can like stop time a little bit and do <laughs> it's like holy crap in hell so i it, it and i love the setting too not just steampunk wise but the that old victorian look mm-hmm. and i mean some of the shots obviously in a, in a horror house type of place too um uh, it's just has a, a very mature feel to it as a game not you know not the teeny game kind of thing no it, it looks like a, a a fantastic adult game to play and the, the freaking guards in the I know armor <laughs> jeez man <laughs> do we have an actual date on that yet not that i've seen okay i'm, I'm sure we'll see a lot more of it at e3 yeah it, it it looks absolutely fantastic. Check the show notes that uh, are up, will be up. And then there's the uh, the trailer and the dev thing as well, the dev commentary on some of what's going on. The Again, it's an absolutely beautiful setting. The graphics are nuts. The graphics <laughs> are just sick as hell. Hell, and I mean, they're talking too how you're going to have combat in on on land in the water. You'll be able to do things uh, across building rooftops. Like, it's just again, this is well, again, one of those must buys. This is shaping up to be just that for me, at least. Yeah, it still need to see more, of course, besides you know, a cinematic trailer and some guys talking about it, but they'd have to try pretty hard to screw it up at this point. They sold me, just on that. 
Okay. Um, what else did we hear this week? We heard about, uh, they were talking about, not much to talk about, of course, but the Schaefer was talking about Torchlight MMO and how really they're, this is not anytime soon kind of thing. Yes, they'd been talking about it before, but I think that especially seeing some of the failed MMOs as of late and whatnot, they're smart guys. They know the work that's involved in something like that, and they're not rushing into it. I am of the opinion that we may never see a Torchlight MMO. I, I would put money down on that myself, and quite frankly, I'm all right with that. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to Torchlight 2, and the concept of an even better Torchlight 3 in the future on, you know, next-gen technology that will use something different at that point is more exciting to me than hoping and wishing for an MMO, from a Torchlight MMO. Yeah, and I think just on top of that, seeing the difference between what they were expecting timeline-wise out of Torchlight 2 and what they actually got. I mean, yeah, these are all industry pros. They know, you know, things run long. But I, I think they're kind of realizing, especially in today's market, the amount of work that needs to be put into any game, especially an MMO. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, they know what they have. They know that they have a very strong following. So stick with what you got, improve on it. And the, see, I think about that too with uh, with Copernicus. And I, I keep thinking, hmm, you know, that's, I mean, they're letting slip this year, which I cannot believe. And like, I don't know, I, the potential to screw it up is so huge when instead a, a reckoning two would be so much better i think and just pick a different timeline no you don't even have to stick in that one kind of thing or you could do a mass effect type thing and have it where what you did in in reckoning you import into you know reckoning two kind of thing i don't know I, i'm 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 growing much more leery of of mmos as of late and i i wouldn't say leery just there's I can't afford them. All. Well, that's a big one too. <laughs> I mean, we're we're at an interesting point, kind of where we were in the market before World of Warcraft came out, where you had all of these competing MMOs that kind of achieved that balance that they were all not none of them were hugely successful, but they were all profitable. I think that's kind of where we're sitting right now, of course, until Blizzard announces Titan and then all bets are off. Yeah, really. Jesus. Now, another MMO that's going to be coming out too that we've been hearing more about is Wildstar. Now, I got to tell you, I'm still excited for Wildstar. I it's it's going to depend highly on what their pricing structure is going to be for that one as well because again, quite frankly, dude, it's 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 getting a little too expensive to play MMOs. Um but the more that I'm seeing about it, the, the more I'm excited. And I love what we're hearing about the the different worlds and they they're giving us news every Wednesdays. And so they were talking about a, a different zone because what we've seen up to date has been a lot of the snow capped mountains kind of thing and whatnot. And so they were showing us a different zone, Algarok. And it made me think very much of Westfall in WoW, where you have, <laughs> you know, a lot of mining kind of stuff. And then you got the bandits that are there, which in this case they're called the rogues. And so you got a, a big, piratey rogue kind of feel where they're they're there's those faction of rogues that are taking over mines and stuff like that and the very wild west in space but not feeling. just any pirates space pirates, pirates. pirates. <laughs> space rogue pirates how does it get any better than that and that wild west feel to this place as they were talking about it it it's again i I like how the, again, because most of what we had seen had just been um, the, the starter zone and whatnot. So I'm really enjoying hearing more about, again, the the other areas. And because, again, it's this is going to be an MMO. Theoretically, this is going to be freaking massive. There should be a lot of different zones to hear about. So I, I really like this. I, I can't say anything negative. It's just this, this. Every week they've been putting out this tiny little tidbit it's like just just give me something already all right yeah i'm i'm ready for <laughs> you more you can only bring bread to the table so many times <laughs> yeah and and it still looks like that what we're seeing of this zone this algorog zone man it is freaking gorgeous again same as everywhere else the colors just pop from the screen it and it and it's that very cartoon style but a very stylized cartoon style it it looks fantastic I also like the way they're presenting all this stuff. You know, it's not just, a, you know, info dump. It has a certain 
charm to it. You know, the way they're describing everything and, you know, throwing in the, you know, the little facts and it, it seems like they just have a really good handle on the approach they're taking to this game. And that intrigues me. Well, uh, not just that, but they have a good handle on the actual story. So again, like let's take and, and yeah, it's apples and oranges, but let's take again Dragon's Dogma, which we're so excited about, but we haven't heard much uh, story-wise for it, which leads me to wonder how much they've actually, you know, took the time to create the lore for that whole world. Now they may very well have, and we just haven't heard about it. But based on what we've heard, which is nothing, well, you know. Whereas this here, you can tell that a ton of time is being put into writing it out coming out with that lore so that that history is there and it's rich and that means a lot especially in an mmo that you're going to be playing over and over and over again and different alts and things like that you need to have that rich storyline not just gameplay and it looks like it's going to have that which is awesome that makes me so excited to play this yeah definitely okay um you were writing about this botanicula which yes. is ironic because the freaking humble bumble humble mm-hmm. bundle humble bumble humble bumble bumble was that and what else was it i've got it uh machinarium and it was actually like all the games from amanita studios so and there was a, a little video as well because yeah. I, I actually i bought it because i tend to pick those up when they come up and then i even bought it for my son as well and then i saw your show notes and it was there and i was like haha but I haven't had a chance to actually play it yet. Did you play it? I ha- I haven't had a chance to play it myself yet either, but yeah. It's awesome. It yeah, looks freaking Bot- awesome. Botanicula is is the latest uh, game from Emanita Designs who made the fantastic Machinarium. Go to the Humble Bundle. You can get all of it for a buck. Go for it. <laughs> but uh, it's taking that same style and just doing something completely different with it. You have this, this deal with the insects and the, and the, I can't describe it. Okay. <laughs> just but, look at yeah. it. <laughs> but what, it, what I find interesting about Machinarium is, or not Machinarium, but Tanicula compared to Machinarium, Machinarium was a very, you know, old school point and click adventure style game of, you know, pixel hunting and picking up all the tools and finding the right combinations and this and that. At least so far from what I've seen of Botanicula, it's more about exploring your exploring and interacting with your environment. There's no crazy puzzles to solve. You're just taking in all this scenery and all this wonderful stuff that's going on and being rewarded for your your time invested. It's got such a cool style and even with no dialogue and not even all honestly all that much physical interaction with the world it still has an interesting narrative and it still tells a story that is brilliant and the art style is it's just vibrant it's just gorgeous and it's quite different from mm-hmm. Machina, Machina, Minorium, whatever. Um, it, it like way different. It just has this like warm glow to it. It's again absolutely gorgeous. I'm playing it here for folks in the audience. But yeah, I really again I've got it, and both Tristan and I are going to be playing it. I really can't wait. It looks beautiful. Yeah, this is one of those games where I'm just going to wait for have a few hours, sit down, and just lose myself. Well, yeah, yep, definitely. I agree. Okay, you want to talk about Halo Four? I do a bit because a little, little bit. <laughs> I actually enjoy the Halo franchise. I have for years. I, I've played all of the games, and the actual Halo franchise itself is a lot more robust than many people do give it credit for. They have set up a huge universe through you know expanded novels and this and that. They've really done a lot of work building up their setting. Now, Bungie. Of course, you know, the, the company that created Halo has left. They, they've left Microsoft. They said they're tired of making Halo games. And, of course, Microsoft being, you know, the big publisher says, we want you to do nothing but make Halo games because it sells billions of copies. They, they, they parted ways. Bungie's off doing their own thing now, leaving behind uh, 343 Industries. Uh, a few people from Bungie have stayed behind. And 343 has been doing work on the Halo franchise for quite a while now. So it's not like they just threw a bunch of random people together. And we're getting Halo 4. And... Personally, for me, this is the perfect example of a franchise overstaying its welcome 
and being handed off to, I don't want to say less capable people, but people who don't quite get it. Um, so much of the Halo experience has been directed more at the player than at the character of Master Chief. Master Chief doesn't even have a name. You know, he he's faceless. He's he's emotionless. And in a lot of games, that would be a bad quality. But for a first person shooter, personally, I don't feel it is because you are that much more invested in the game from that first person perspective. Now, that's not saying you can't do that in a first person game, but a blank slate works better in a first person game that does anywhere else, personally for me. So it became your role in the story and it just it worked. And then at the end of Halo 3, they brought an end to not necessarily Master Chief's story itself, but at the very least, the player's interaction with Master Chief's story. You know, he removed his helmet. He, you know, he was finally given a name. All these symbolic things that closed off that chapter. And then before Bungie left, they did uh, Halo Reach, which, as I said before, showed what more can be done with the Halo franchise outside of Master Chief. Uh, the game itself, you know, had some pacing problems and this and that, but it showed that there is this huge universe out there that future developers on the franchise can use beyond just Master Chief. So what are we getting in Halo 4? A direct continuation with Master Chief. And it's really interesting <laughs> because when you're hearing the guys at 343 talking about Halo 4, at least from a story and campaign perspective – all they're talking about is Halo 3. Like, as far as they're concerned, Halo Reach, like, never happened. They, they never got shown this other this other vista. And they're just so enamored with continuing Master Chief's story. I, as a fan of the games, for me, it just doesn't fit and doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't. But, again, this is something we're in, once again, we see that the decisions on what to do with games in terms of the content is not based on the creator's wish, mm -hmm. but rather who, the, who controls the, the money, and they are the ones that are going to decide. And, unfortunately, I think that if... The, again, the people with the money understood that a lot of people are still willing to give an IP a chance, even if it doesn't have the same iconic characters, and they just allowed good creators to make good games again based in that IP they'd see that they can continue to make money instead of dictating where it should go and then ultimately it failing because they're trying to milk it too much yeah, Halo Reach was no worse off for the lack of Master Chief. So plain and simple. Yeah. All right, let's move on. I uh, found out that uh, the the you know top what is it going to be? Maybe top, maybe past twenty five. Anyways, <laughs> if it ever comes out, now. if it ever comes out, yeah, you're gonna by default if it doesn't come out in two thousand twelve, you realize you owe us a t shirt. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a do over. That's a no, 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 it's not. No, no, because you said in 2012 it would no, be I, one I of the I top said games. Year that it comes out. No, in. no, no, 2012. <laughs> yeah, you called it, buddy. So Darksiders Two has said, been. I find it and I will splice it in. <laughs> Darksiders Two has been delayed. They're saying until August, but I mean, who knows at this point? Especially I mean, THQ has become such a freaking disaster at this point. Like. I, I I really can't say anything like the publisher is a complete failure as a company and it's holding back the developers. So that's that's that, that's what it is. Yeah. And then we also got a little bit of news, too, on Thieves in Time, which is uh, the new Sly Cooper. Uh, not going to talk too much about that. You can go into the show notes to find out more information. This is one of the ones that we'd seen at um, when was that last year? At CES, or was it the year before even? I I, I, I think it was the track. year before even. I mean, it's been a little while now since we saw it. It looked uh, I think, fantastic. I think it was last year. Was it last being year? Sort of thing of you know, Sony had something to announce about you know long running franchise yeah. and stuff like that. I can't remember, but it, it it did look fantastic. If you're a fan of the IP, uh, definitely check out the show notes about that. Like I said, I'm not going to talk too much about it. This is something Joe actually wanted to talk a little bit more about, but uh, it was interesting. The little dev thing was interesting. So 
again, check out the show notes if you want more information about it. When the game comes out, one of us is likely to play it, so it will be interesting. Um, and, and I may very well play it because, again, I the gameplay looked phenomenal. It just it looked like a ton of fun, so it, it is something that I'm interested in. And then we'll end off then with Transformers because there was a video and Joe had to talk about it. Joe's not here, so you can talk about it because you're the only other one who cares. Well, on the bright side, you, you'll be able to have the discussion without the girlish laughter in the background. <laughs> oh, really? So you're not going to laugh about it is what you're saying? Oh, I'm not saying it's not <laughs> awesome. I'm just more in control of myself and not, you know, not fit you know, used to jumping into that 14-year-old schoolgirl mode. Right, but then. yeah, I mean, this was just some cool freaking stuff. Uh, we've heard ever since the game was announced about how awesome Grimlock's going to be. And we've seen little snippets here and there. But here we got a full gameplay segment of just Grimlock tearing shit up. And it was fucking awesome, for lack of a better term. As they've said previously, so much of the uh, fall of Cybertron, all the characters have guns. I mean, that's what the Transformers are. They they have guns. Well, Grimlock don't play that game. So he is a melee character going through with his big Energon sword carving dudes up, you know, has his shield, showing shield bashes and just ripping guys in half. I mean, this is this is as close to Space Marine as you're going to get out of Transformers, and that's a good thing. And then, of course, they've talked about the, uh, the, the rage aspect where his skill is functions differently than everybody else his transformation is controlled by his rage mechanic so the more combat he gets into you get to turn into the giant space t-rex and showing off that gameplay for the first time was really cool because he transforms and it changes the battlefield like it is just utter devastation from beginning to end and it just looks fun as hell yeah, the gameplay did look cool, and it is, it was cool too. But uh, I I liked how it was different enough that you can handle different situations also a little differently based on what form you're taking, kind of thing. Like when he's doing that freaking tail whip kind of thing, oh. it looks like a massive AOE kind of attack. So you're getting swarmed, pull that sucker out. Yeah, it's. It just makes me happy. That's that's as much as I can say. All right. With that, we're actually going to wrap it up for the night. Thanks for everybody who came and joined us live. Episode will be out, of course, in a few days. If you need to reach us, you can do so at ForTheLore.com, on Twitter at ForTheLore, and ForTheLore at gmail.com for any emails. If you are getting this via iTunes, please leave us a review. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet is a wonderful independent game from Shadow Planet Productions, which is Fuel Cell Games and Gagne International. It was originally released on Xbox Live on August 3, 2011, and has now been released on Microsoft Windows through various online retailers such as Windows for Games for Live and Steam uh, as of April 17, 2012. It can best be described as a multi-directional shooter adventure discovery game it's quite a mouthful but it's the most apt description I can give it comes from the mind of lead designer Michel Gagné who I've had the wonderful privilege of meeting at PAX East 2011 Michel Gagné wanted to prove that video games are in fact pieces of art and to say to everybody else who thought that they weren't they're dead wrong he set out using an idea that was originally birthed in the 90s, Insanely Twisted Shadow Puppet Theater. It was a TV show on MTV and used in a series of shorts for also Nickelodeon, and eventually just kind of gave way to other, other series and sort of got put on the back burner. Michel, however, never gave up, recreating this idea into a wonderful masterpiece of video games. The first thing that you'll notice about the game is that it's a highly stylized graphics. Not ultra real or 3D or anything like that, but vibrant in the same way that we enjoyed games like Borderlands. It's almost simplistic nature it is sort of like a mask to the complexity that is there. The use of colors and shapes uh, to form this vibrant world, and in fact a series of worlds, is absolutely phenomenal. From the warmth and depth of the colors to the deep darks of the caves, 
you always are just engrossed by everything around you, and it's just a very wonderful and visual experience. The audio for the game was done by Michel Gagné's son, who just wanted to prove that also the audio for the game matters just as much uh, as the graphics themselves. By marrying the two together in such a wonderful, uh, wonderful way, you produce a very unique experience. While there are elements to this game that are reminiscent of Metroid or Zelda, it is an experience all on its own. And Lake Bastion is just a whole experience that must be just seen for yourselves. The plot seems very... I don't want to say thin, but essentially it tells the story of a small alien scientist and his flying saucer, you as the main character. When a meteor has made of an ominous black substance slams into the sun that heats his world, the sun is transformed into a mysterious shadow planet, which promptly sends meteors of its own towards its home world, wreaking havoc and spreading the black substance over much of its surface. When you leave the observatory and the flying saucer to help with sort of disaster relief, you accidentally trigger a device which rockets you away from the homeworld and deep into the heart of the hostile shadow planet. The scientist, you as the character, must then use every trick and tool inside of the saucer at the saucer's disposal to fight survival within the cramped confines of the planet. And along the way, hopefully you can try to revert the planet back into the sun and prevent mass extinction on a global scale for your homeworld. Now, that's pretty heavy. And the game does the telling of the story uh, with the opening sequence, which is absolutely phenomenal, uh, but also through in-game artifacts that you find um, through each of the game worlds. The artifacts reveal that the goo has originated from some weird mutation that eventually went on to invade different planets under different forms. Essentially, it's the giant evil that we hear about in a lot of sci-fi and, and general terms. However, very awesome. Wherever the black goo touches, it takes life and corrupts it. Normal creatures become these monsters. The world becomes an entire entity on its own that you must fight against. And it's absolutely wonderful. The ship itself moves around in basically like it would have a spaceship. You have full, complete control. Um, every direction is available to you um, in the side-scrolling adventure sense, up, down, left, right, and everything in between. And you can then aim in all 360 degrees with every single one of your abilities. And the tools that you have at your disposal are all used in conjunction with each other to solve puzzles and sort of do what you need to do to get through each planet, including boss fights throughout the game. The tools are the pea shooter, which is the first tool you pick up um, towards the beginning of the game. It's your basic laser. It's... A basically a pure weapon. It fires an energy bolt to smite your enemies. It can fire at all angles, and it can be upgraded to fire up to three and then five energy bolts at once at high rates of fire. Like Zelda, you'll discover these upgrades as you go throughout the world. The very first item that you get before you even leave the main observatory is the scanner. The scanner is the basic be-all, end-all for figuring out what's going on. If something looks interesting, you can scan it and figure out what it does. It's a way for you to learn what tools go to where and help you solve puzzles. It also allows you to identify bosses, weaknesses, discover hidden doors, um, and basically just sort of navigate through the world. There's also the guided missile launcher, which... Well, it only fires missiles straight down, but as soon as the missile engines engage, the player can take remote control and steer it through the environment. You can use it to blow up enemies or solve puzzles. Um, it's very, very, very cool. Um, now, it's not like a traditional rocket. It doesn't have any, like, sort of limited fuel source. So once you, f once you fire it, you can, well, just kind of go wherever you need to with it. The claw is one of the most flexible tools you'll have. Um, it basically is a pincer claw that the spaceship has that can grip on enemies, objects, and allows you to move certain things, as well as anchor yourself and make sure that you don't get blown away. The saw is exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, a piece of Shadow Planet mining equipment that was repurposed for more heroic tasks by the saucer pilot. Um, it sits on the end of a manipulator arm, very similar to the claw, 
and the saw can be used to slice most enemies into pieces as well as cut through rocks and other materials. There's also the laser, which is a crystal-based beam, uh, which can fry enemies as well as help you get through certain obstacles and metals and things like that. Um, some surfaces will actually reflect the laser, making it bounce off of walls. It can be used... It's basically a way to use remote puzzling or to use mirrors and, and things like that. There's also the tractor beam, uh, which can interact with certain objects and allow you to kind of drag them around, just like it would seem like. Uh, the shield, which is, well, exactly what it, it says. And then the lightning rod. Uh, the lightning rod can be used to deliver power to certain doors and wheels in the environment. So you use it to sort of power mechanisms to help get your way through. The gameplay is absolutely engrossing. Um, it is reminiscent of all the classic 2D side-scrollers. Zelda, Metroid, Castlevania. It has all of those sort of elements and just kind of puts them all together in this wonderful, wonderful, well-tight package. As you experience the game, I feel that you'll just fall in love with it like I did. Right now it's available for $14.99 on Steam and various other uh, online retailers, as well as directly through Windows uh, Games for Live. You can also still purchase it for Xbox Live. And... Do yourself a favor, take the time and play the game. While it may not have the deep, rich storytelling that Bastion has, it does a wonderful job without a narrator. Everything about the game is done through cinematics, it's done through sound, it's done through the emotion of what the character is seeing around the world, and it's a wonderful cinematic, artistic experience. If you like independent games, like puzzles, like 2D games, uh, like sh shooters, like adventures, it's got something for everybody. It's one of the very few games that I can honestly say I can just dump hours into. Do yourself a favor. If you have the time, sit down and purchase Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet and treat yourself to some very wonderful art, storytelling, audio engineering, and just a fantastic experience. And I picked up some customizations too. We'll oh, get I've into heard you, like, that rant. in a bit. <laughs> I shouldn't have to create characters picking classes based on which freaking customizations I get. That is just wrong. Random my ass. Hey, did you get my email? Fucker. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? It is freaking awesome. And he sent me uh, an issue as well that he signed. So that one's getting framed. Whoosh. I already have a frame for it. And then I have that awesome picture. <laughs> you know what? All you had to do was be nice to the Canadian. <laughs> you could have gotten one too. <laughs> but did I lose you? No. Okay, you just give me the silent <laughs> treatment. What are we like? Freaking six-year-olds in the school park? <laughs> Big freaking pansy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear no typing. What I'm going to hear is retweet. <laughs> Damn, he's off to me. <laughs> Lazy ass bastard. All right, cue the music. Amir, you had your chance. It was like he's talking about Transformers. You can are, come are we going to go into this again? Yeah, Are you going to make another listener cry? <laughs> I didn't call him a jackass or an asshat or anything. <laughs> I just said he had his chance. <laughs> I think he's got more balls than that. He would have been all right. Yeah, name. Oh, Marie's name.